hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh, my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Welcome in, everybody, to the Friday edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. I'm Philip Pilkington. I will be your host today as the P-Man is over at Clark LeClaire Stadium as we speak, getting ready to call the Green Wave and the Pirates over on ESPN+. Plus. Obviously, that game can be heard right here on our airways as well with Scooter and Coach O. Also... Our final segment of the pregame show, we're going to have the former voice of the Pirate Baseball team, Corey Glore, doing a little interview with Scooter. So, Corey Glore sighting tonight will always be exciting. Of course, he's now the voice of the Green Wave, and they are in town. A lot to get to here in our abbreviated 45-minute Patrick Johnson show. I am joined by Chris Cook. How's Woo! it going, Cookie? Ah, no, I'm playing. What's up? And I am go- uh, also joined, wow, a little tongue-tied there, by former ECU football player, uh, the newest member of the IBX Media family officially. He was formerly an intern, now an official employee, Joseph Sampson. How's it going, Joe? It feels great to be here, Philip. I can't lie. Call him by his name, man. That's Joey Football sitting <laughs> Joey right there. Joey Football. And you also just called him former ECU football player. No, I'm going to say his whole title name right here. That is ECU football legend Joey Football sitting next to you right there. I'll make sure to pay you after this one, Cookie. Appreciate it. There you go. All righty, boys. So a lot to get into today. A lot of pirate news, and that is not just talking pirate baseball tonight against Tulane, which we will wrap up the show with, speaking specifically on this baseball series. We're going to talk a little draft, a little Bryce Young to the Panthers, a little where do we think the Pirates may go? Is there a few names that could be called? Hopefully a name called tonight, fingers crossed. But right now, there's a lot going on in pirate athletics today, well, and here in our IBX media family. And the first one is, uh, we are one, today is the final business day before our new show starts at noon right here on 94.3 The Game, Hoist the Colors with 247 Sports' Stephen Igo. That can be heard every Monday starting at noon, and his very special guest joining us will be a close personal friend of Joey football was it Joey football? What was his name? I believe the term is Joey football. Yeah. Okay, of Joey that football. Is, yep. Mike Houston will be joining Steve and I go to kick off his new show on Monday at noon. That can be heard right here on ninety four three the game. And today is is closing a chapter in the Patrick Johnson show because we are starting a new chapter Monday and in a good way we are closing the chapter. That from now on you will not only be able to listen to the Patrick Johnson Show, but it will be simulcasted on cable channel 7, as well as streamed on the our Facebook page right here on 94.3 The Game and our YouTube channel every day at 5 o'clock. So we're going on TV, man. We have made it, Joe. We're not just a radio show anymore. We're a TV show, baby. They're going to see how handsome you really are, Philip. Oh, thank they're, you. They're finally going to see it. They are. They Same are. with Cookie. Yeah, and everybody knows and loves the P man, so it's just going to be all great things around. Exciting yeah. times around here, definitely. Exciting it's times. Some exciting times. They're going to see that beautiful smile you have now, Cookie. Oh yeah, with the braces off, right? The, let the people know, man. Ah, yeah. for those who don't know, that was just me smiling. And yeah. thank, thank y'all, by the way, thank you. Looks great. And if you are outside our listening area, 
you can now download the new IBX Media app. It is available on the App Store and Google Play. It will have all of our podcasts, so if you miss our show, if you are busy during the 5 o'clock or the noon hour because you have some other obligation, which better be pretty darn important, I must say, if you're not listening to us live, but if you have a pretty darn important thing going on, then guess what? You can tune in on the IBX Media app and listen to us later in podcast form as well. If you are outside our listening area, then you can listen live to any of our shows. And that's not just here. That is Henry Hinton's Talk of the Town. That is The Morning Rush with Mark and Laura. That is any of our shows here at the Inner Banks Media family. So a lot going on here, but there's even a lot more going on over on the athletic campus of East Carolina University. And Joe is going to, Joey Football, I'm sorry, is going to tell us all about that. Yeah, that's right. Today, officially, John Gilbert has announced the proposed indoor building named the Isley Indoor Performance Center has been approved by the Board of Trustees. That is the official name of the Pirates' new indoor facility. But bigger news, the 2022 AAC Women's Coach of the Year, Kim McNeil, has been given a extension through 2027. Great to have her back. I know a lot of people were slightly concerned in the fourth year of her deal whether or not she was going to get extended, but John Gilbert pulls through, and you know what they say. Pirates win. Pirates win. That's how we start our show. We that was, start with the That's Pirates very well-deserved. Very well it really is. She's her. done a tremendous job building that program. I mean, Amaya Joyner was freshman of the year, Farmville native, and then Danae McNeil being defensive player of the year, and it's all under her tutelage. You really just got to give her for her flowers in that case. She did a heck of a job with that. What I loved is that she went out and got players in the portal mm-hmm. from big-time programs. She knew. Yeah. I think Micah Dennis, uh, the transfer from Oklahoma State, yeah. brought a lot to this team. Mm-hmm. Danae did, started as the point guard, and when Micah took over the point guard role, it allowed Danae McNeil to do a little yeah, more. Yeah, a lot more spacing as far as yeah. that goes and her chances to score off ball, if you would, just with screens and everything and then being a pull-up shooter like she is. I think it really did open up with that. And and Micah is a heck of a defensive player as well. She has spent some time on the Canadian national team, so yeah. she knows what it's like to play with big-time uh, players. And then another transfer they had this year from a Power 5 program was Kamora Jenkins, who came in from Georgia. She didn't. She was part of the rotation. She didn't play a lot, but she brought a lot of energy on defense. Mm-hmm. And I always noticed she was the first player sitting at the end of the bench. She was kind of another coach on that bench. Yeah. And I think the knowledge that she learned down in Athens that she brought to this team was huge. So... Big props to Kim McNeil for not only getting players out of the portal, but key players from big programs that came in and fit well into her scheme and her sisterhood that they had over there at uh, at uh, Minji's Coliseum. Mm-hmm. All righty. Well, that, I think we got to wrap up this first segment because there is a lot to talk about with the draft and baseball. So on the other side of this timeout, we will talk about where will Keaton Mitchell go, where will Holt Naylor's go, and what are our thoughts on Bryce Young being the new quarterback of the Carolina Panthers. All that and more on the other side of this timeout. Cookie thinks it's September already, baby. He said, heck with the next six rounds of the draft. I'm ready for the season to start. But Cookie, Keaton Mitchell hadn't been picked yet. Hey, we can't be ready yet. Hey, no way. I backtrack a little bit. The draft is arguably a more exciting time than maybe the midseason. What? Beginning of the season and the end, it's not. But middle season, when it starts getting a little boring at some points, the draft. Cookie. Dra- no, the- at what point does professional football 
get boring when you sit on your couch from 1 o'clock until 8.30 just waiting, waiting to hear the Sunday night theme song? Okay, Ready I, to hear. That, that's a fair point. That's Chris a fair Collinsworth. Point. All Talk I'm, about, all I'm saying, here's a guy. Okay. Okay, what but, I will say, it might be a more meaningful. This is, that's true. More exciting. That's true. It might be more Because no other day in the NFL season happens without the NFL draft. Of course. This is, of this course. is very true. Speaking of that NFL draft, all righty, boys, we will let you guys get into your little fight over the Packers here in a second. Oh, I've been ready you, for this. I know you two want to go head-to-head, but on our sister station, Road 3-7, we do play the Carolina Panther games. They had the number one pick. They took Alabama's Bryce Young, a former Heisman Trophy winner. All righty, boys, thoughts here. We know they were going quarterback. We're not going to get into the trade because that's already been talked about. Right. Whether or not they should trade up, blah, blah, blah. But between C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, and AR-15, because clearly Will Levis, I guess, was not on the board for them because he ain't on nobody's first-round board. <laughs> we need to save that for later in this conversation. I do want to touch up on that. But uh, for your question, I think it was a great move uh, picking Bryce Young. I knew that was going to happen the whole time. Heard rumors they were thinking about Richardson, but I think they made it the safe and best move going with uh, Bryce Young. I get I get scared saying safe. No pick in the NFL is ever safe. Obviously, these pro-ready guys sometimes don't necessarily work out. I mean, Jamarcus Russell was supposed to be the guy at one for the Raiders, and we all know how that worked out. Yeah, Brian Leaf. B- Brian Leaf is B U S T is how that. Uh, it's exactly yeah. how that works out. So I, I'm hesitant to say he was the safe pick. There's never a safe pick, but I do think he is the most suited to take the reins in this offense. Frank Reich knew who he wanted, went through the process, knew exactly what kind of quarterback, what kind of leader he wanted for the Panthers, and he went and got him. No, I agree. The one thing that worries me about Bryce Young, and now they said the same thing about Joe Montana, it didn't matter, is his size. Tyler's been banged up, Lamar's been banged up, too, has been banged up. Mm -hmm. That's my only worry with Bryce Young, other than the worry of the fact that He's never stepped on an NFL football field, but That's I don't have the same worry with all those other guys. But like you're you saying he's got done. some added problems, maybe in addition to that, yeah, with but his size and you don't stuff want to like that. protect him. Yeah, it's, yeah, just, it's, just it's an intangible thing at that yeah, point. Yeah, you're not going to grow anymore, and he said that in one of his interviews. Like you're, you're your height. You play the way you play. You are who you are. Yeah, I mean, because you know, unfortunately, I believe Tampa took yeah, because Tampa took Cansey, who's a D tackle, who's right. going to be twice a year pinning those ears back and coming after Bryce Young. Yeah, at least. So, um, yeah, that's that's the only worry. But hey, you know what? Whether or not this was a good pick, I, I am yet to say. Because here's the thing: if you draft a guy at one. I say he better win you a Super Bowl. He better be the guy. 37 quarterbacks, well now 38 quarterbacks, have been Mm -hmm. taken number one overall in the NFL draft, and seven of them have won Super Bowls. Yep. Nine have won it total, but Bledsoe and Carr are one of his backups. So only seven of them have taken their team to the promised land. So um, all I care about as a Panthers fan is one freaking ring before I die. (laughs) So if you draft a guy and he wins Super Bowl, he's the right pick. If he doesn't, he's not. All so right. well, those are lofty expectations. They're lofty there, expectations, Phillip, but, but you know what? It's it's what it is. Yeah, I think so, Dave but, Tepper's thinking the same thing. Well, hey, in my opinion, it wasn't going to happen with Cam Newton. It wasn't going to happen with Sam Darnold. Uh, it may happen with Bryce Young. Let's it not may. show any disrespect to Cam Newton. We were uh, one not fumble a big Cam away fan. from it being a game. Yeah, but that was also his only. He never got back good though. Year. And yeah. I know Marino never got back either. That's but true. Marino was running some good Elway teams. Like this is also this true. and Jim Kelly teams like. Cam was not running into those caliber of teams, yeah. and he still couldn't get back. I feel like in the 2010s like that, though, it was just such a crapshoot as to who was good in the NFC that it year. Was. It was never, it was never okay, this team's going to be the one to make a run. Like You knew it was the Patriots every year. You yeah. knew the Patriots were going to meet the Broncos or the Colts, whoever Peyton had. But in the NFC, it was 
49ers are good this year. How about the Packers? Maybe the Seahawks will make a late run. And it was it was never that set, but I, I understand what you're saying, but not. All the it, more reason they had the opportunity to be that team. Yeah, the Cardinals went 15 and three, or no, uh, 14 and two. That 14 year. and two that year, and they were the two seed, and they got yeah. wow. Yeah, but hey, after after they beat Cookies, uh, Packers in the divisional round on overtime to say hey, cra- hey, that might be the craziest football game of all time, man. Uh, the only one that would be crazier was the other game when you guys beat them, or no, when they beat you guys 51-45. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, right. Uh-huh. Yeah, that one or 2009. That sorry, too. yeah, that was that was more crazy. But anyways, um, moving on from the young specifically, let's just kind of go quarterbacks. In general, let's kind of have this quarterback conversation. C.J. Stroud obviously goes two to the Texans. Then the Texans trade up for three, so naturally you knew a quarterback was not going at three right. as they took Will Anderson Jr., who I think is the most talented player overall in this draft. I'd agree. And then uh, Anthony Richardson goes forward to the Colts. And obviously, Will Levis, the guy who told all his friends he was going number one, will probably not even be picked the first overall pick of the second round as mm-hmm. of now because the Steelers have, of course, it can be traded. I jinxed him when I did the coffee challenge, the mayonnaise in the coffee challenge. You did. Did you actually do that? I did actually do that. Was it gross? It wasn't bad. Okay. I'm sure right. the listeners are All so right. sick of hearing me talk about this, but it wasn't bad. It really wasn't. No. 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 Anyways, guys, so thoughts on the Stroud in the uh, AR-15 pick there? I think AR-15 is a reach. Uh, obviously, Jim Irsay is an owner that gets his guy. He yeah. goes, he does what he does. He went and got Quentin Nelson when he was the three. He didn't give that pick up after all those people wanted to pine and lobby to go get a quarterback that early in the draft. But I, I worry with Anthony Richardson. He has 13 starts his entire college career. Do you know the last quarterback that had 13 starts to get picked that early? Was it uh, Mitch? It was Mitch Trubisky, who at, at one point was a Pro Bowl quarterback. In the Yeah, exactly. Tyler he, Huntley was a Pro Bowl quarterback. <laughs> I, know, I know, he actually legit made the Pro Bowl. E.J. Manuel was a second-round pick. I mean, yeah. what, what are we grasping at here? But the, the point of it is you can't necessarily judge him on winning, but I worry he's never been in a situation where he's got to lead 17 games. and You're going to go through ups and downs in a football season, especially in a division like the South that is that talented with the Jaguars now and the Titans are always somebody to be talked about, and the Texans are on the rise. So I worry, yes, he has the intangibles to be a great quarterback. He has the intangibles to be a great thrower, but is he the leader of that franchise? Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see. The great thing is I think he does have a good mentor in Nick Foles to help him out with that because Nick has had to be in that situation before. Multiple times. Yeah, I mean, you know, what Nick Foles did is second to what, Earl Morrill did in 72 when he yeah, took over when Gracie got mm-hmm. hurt and he helped the Dolphins. I mean, he won like 11 of the 17 games in the 17-0 and 0 season. So Nick Foles, I think, is second to Earl. Or what Earl Morrill did a couple years before with the Colts when Johnny Unitas was out for the season to yeah. the Super Bowl. So I think Foles can be that guy to, to mentor Richardson. Though. I think the, uh, the dilemma with Richardson really... I think he went exactly where he should have went, and I think Stroud and Young went exactly where they should have went. The problem with Richardson, not really a problem, just some kind of dilemma. He's got he's not the best quarterback in the draft, right? But he probably has the highest ceiling, and that's the conversation. So, do you want to bet on the ceiling or the like? Hey, this guy's ready to play right now. Put him on the field. So I heard um, McKay talk about it, the former uh, GM for the Raiders, who used to be on the NFL Network with Rich Eisen. He said that when you're picking that high. You need a home run. You're not aiming for the guy who can 
play 70% of the snaps and be exactly what you, you think he's going to be mediocre-wise and give you four years and you move on from him. You want that home run franchise X-factor pick, and I think that's what they anticipate Anthony Richardson to be, but yet to be seen if he has what we talk about as it. He, he's a great arm, an unbelievable athlete. To upgrade from him, you had Matt Ryan back there last year. I don't know if Matt Ryan could run from his own shadow. Oh, what an upgrade in athleticism. I mean, that that's really what it yeah, comes down seriously. to. But Richardson has yet to prove he can be a quarterback. He's a great thrower, great runner. Is he a quarterback? So I'm not going to disagree with the fact that if you take a guy that high, you need him to be a home run. But what I'm going to build on that point is, if you want to win a Super Bowl, and that's the goal, right? this day and time, you better get a home run quarterback. Because yeah. the day of you know, Trent Rich, Dilfer is Rich not... Gannon playing against Brad Johnson, or two years before, Trent Dilfer Trent playing Dilfer. against Kerry Collins in the Super Bowl, yeah. those days are done. The last guy who is not playing at a superstar level down the stretch to win a Super Bowl was Peyton Manning. In his second Super Bowl. Right, and that was the yeah. defense that carried him, and he was still a Hall still, of Fame quarterback. Yeah, he I was, was about to he say, he, he didn't play great, but this is still... But like yeah. for him to <laughs> yeah, be yeah. the guy you're choosing, yeah. he's still yeah. a Hall of he Fame He still is, yeah. Like, even Nick Foles, in that stretch, he played he at a Hall of Fame level. Exactly. Yeah, so for those eight or ten games that he was in. So, Hall of Fame level quarterbacks won Super Bowls these days. This and is true. only Hall of Fame level quarterbacks. So, to that point, to your question, Chris, yes... I say that you know he's. It is good that you took the guy maybe with the highest ceiling because if you don't hit a home run, you, doubles don't win you Super Bowls anymore. And that's, and, that's and, all it is. And hey, if he doesn't work out, you've got Gardner Minshew, ECU alumni on the roster. This is true. Or you tank for Caleb Williams, which is also an. Uh, and hey, he could be one of the best guys or like, Drake ever. Or Drake May. Or Drake May. Hey, that's another good one. Yeah. Yeah, I think next year's quarterback classes. I mean, it's more top heavy, but those are the guys that I think you want even more so than any of these four. But anyways, we got to move on from this quarterback thing. So I'm going to go quick, let everybody hit their couple surprises because we really need to get into this ECU stuff and um, kind of let Joe take it away with uh, with his teammates here getting drafted. So just kind of let you guys go around. What was the surprise for you guys? Why was it a surprise? And then, and then th- kind of throw it to the next guy here. I, I'm going to answer your question and actually keep it on quarterbacks. Uh, I cannot believe the Seahawks didn't get Will Levis. Uh, Geno Smith's getting, uh, getting old. Uh, I get that he's a vet and had a good year, but I kind of thought they would look for the guy of the future that Geno could mentor, maybe play a couple more years till he was ready, and they didn't get him. I couldn't believe it. So here's where I think they're going with that, and I'll get into that later. Hendon Hooker's the guy the Seahawks are targeting. If you talk about a person who matches up based on physical attributes and talent the way they came out of college, there is nobody more of a mirror image than Geno Smith than Hendon Hooker. Same system, same arm talent. I mean, he had a crazy receiver in Jalen Hyatt that he threw to before he got injured. Same thing with Geno Smith making Tavon Austin look like a perennial all-pro in college. And I think that's where they're going to go with it. If it's second round, late, or early third round, I think Hooker's going to be the guy that winds up in Seattle as opposed to Will Levis. I don't think they were sold on Levis given his history, if you would. I mean, he's had some up-and-down seasons, hasn't necessarily had that top end of play that you're going to really sell your soul for, as we call it, in the draft and wanting to get your replacement. I thought the Titans were going to take Levis and until I realized that they're just going to get him in the second round. Because yeah. the only team left of the Seahawks needs a quarterback. I think the GM thought the same thing. Yeah. All righty, so my, I'll just go ahead and go with one of my surprises here. I was surprised Nolan Smith, the edge rusher out of Georgia, went 30. I thought he would have been, like, back half the team's early 20s. So I, I'm, I'm sure Cookie will want to comment on this, too. Smith came from such a great place. He was overshadowed. Yeah. But I think his injury 
is what deterred teams. He missed the entire college football playoff. He yeah. didn't play in the national title. And you heard all these stories about the kind of guy he was off the field, and that really does help you in these days. But they're looking at production. Does he have injury history? Is he going to play all 17 games for us? Is he going to make it through his entire rookie deal? And I think Howie, especially up in Philadelphia, did his homework. This is not the first Georgia player he's taken. This is not the first Georgia yeah. player he took this draft. Exactly. It's not, it's not even the third. It's not it's even the, the third. It's the fourth. It's yeah. the fourth they've taken in the last two years in the draft. That 2021 so, Georgia defense, like who would who would have thought is, that they would all be such a big deal in the pros yeah. just a couple years later? Uh, Kirby Smart, but that's a different that's story. That's true. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> all right, Joe, I'm going to get to your shock, and then after that, I'm going to let you guys fight over this Packers thing because I know you guys want to get into this. My shock is Jameer Gibbs going 12th. I had him high. I had him as a late first-round running back, but I think the position of running back, when you have DeAndre Swift, you just yeah. lost Jamal Williams. So clearly, DeAndre Swift's going to be the guy. You drafted him to be the guy. Mm-hmm. And you go get a first-round running back. And especially in today's day and age, running backs are a dime a dozen. Look at Philip Lindsay, who was an undrafted guy that was remarkable for the Broncos. You go look at what the Jets did last year with Bam Knight from NC State. Yep. You're not necessarily having to sell the farm anymore to go get that running back like an Adrian Peterson, like a Darren Sproles, like an LT. And I think Jameer Gibbs and Bijan Robinson are changing the way that a lot of GMs are looking at running backs again, considering the versatility out of the backfield and the way they can run the ball between the tackles. There you go. Yeah, no, I, I was surprised he went as high as, as he did as well. But I definitely think you hit on any of the points, all the points. But you guys wanted to have a Packers debate. I know that, so I'm just going to let we're, go we're ahead, Cookies and Packers fans, so start and let you guys fight. I'm not going to comment on it being a bad de- or a bad move for the Jets. Great move by the Jets. I think the Jets... I think it works out for both parties, yeah. I, okay, but that's exactly where I'm going to argue with you. We should have got some... I, I just said this on this show the other day, and yesterday, actually, but... You weren't in here, so we're going to redo it. Go ahead. They needed a weapon for Jordan Love. They 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 think they're so good at like developing project players with like high ceilings. They should have got a no. See, you're shaking your head. You know this is Who? the truth, man. Who are you taking? Who do you want? I, I mean, at least a tight end. Maybe like so, just something, man. Just some kind of free age. Just something in free agency or a trade or something other than the, a draft pick. You got you got six rounds left. Yeah, I mean. They, the Packers in the last 20 years, no, not 20 years, 18 years, because Rodgers was the first-round pick they did before Love, have not taken an offensive player in the first round. The last one to go besides Aaron Rodgers was Jordan Love. That tells you how much they value offensive players in that organization. Well, and you know, it was well, evident last night. You had Jackson Smith and Jigba waiting to yeah, be Yeah, why didn't they get him? That's you know when the a last, great question. You know when the last time they drafted a wide receiver in the first round was? You, you all know. I know. Uh, 2007? No, way before that. Was it Donald Driver? No, it was 2002. Okay. What in the world is going on with Green Bay and drafting wide receivers in the first round? Listen, I sat on my couch and I laughed that they went defense after swapping picks with the Jets to get ahead of them when they could have sat at 15 anyway and still taken him. And I'm sorry that the GM did not get you a young piece for Jordan Love, but the fact of the matter is the team control was too much of a price for the Jets to give up. Garrett Wilson just won Rookie of the Year. You're not getting him. You can't have Tyler Conklin. We just got him, too. We signed C.J. Uzama to a four-year deal. 
These are not you're, necessarily things you can give up. You're telling me y'all don't have a reliable... We, we just got rid of Bob uh, Bob Tunyon. He's Chicago Bears now. You're telling me y'all don't even have like a decent tight end that Green Bay could have got? Like, no, on the, we use them. I have we a hard, have, I have a hard time believing that. We have uh, 12 that. personnel with C.J. Uzama and Tyler Conklin. Tyler I, Conklin I have a hard time believing that. fantasy tight end number one, and C.J. Uzama was invaluable for that Bengals Super Bowl run. You're getting Aaron Rodgers, man. He has to throw to somebody, Cookie. He's 45 years old. It was a bad, it was a bad deal. The, the Jets got out of this with a win. I'll give them that. No, no. Don't ask ESPN. They gave us a C minus. I, I just they, they don't know age, what they're because doing of his, there, man. Because of his age, I don't think like you guys weren't going to get any more than that. That's and that's, that's all, all I was is, asking too. for was like a backup tight end, man. We don't just have some, give. something. Okay. We could have gave you another edge rusher. Clearly, y'all wanted more. They don't need another thing on defense. Anyways, already guys. Well, we do not live in a Packers market. We live in a pirate market. This so I let you guys hash it out because I know you guys wanted to, and it makes for good content. But does Keaton Mitchell go tonight? And where do we think Keaton Mitchell goes? So my sources have indicated that Keaton can go as early as the third round tonight. The Chargers are enamored with his ability to play in the backfield, run the ball between the tackles, his return ability that he showed this last year, and just his ability to get the ball in space on swing passes and screens. Another team that is a possible sleeper is the Saints. The Saints love him, and they also love C.J. Johnson. Don't be surprised if his local boys, the Atlanta Falcons, go with him again, although with them taking Robinson, it looks less and less likely. I want to think I was going to ask you about, because, so I heard that Keaton is in KC. I thought that meant, like, hanging he out is. in the green he, room. He is in KC. But then somebody said that he's there with the Chiefs. So, so the way it goes is based upon how your pre-draft visits go, based on where you are projected in the NFL, you can still have visits up until the day of the draft. Okay. So because he was not invited by the NFL to go to the first round, yeah, he is allowed to go still and visit and do whatever he has to do and kind of answer those last questions. But the NFLPA also had him in Kansas City for the draft at some events just between red carpet and, and some mixers between some other player personnel guys. But he wasn't necessarily invited to the draft. So I understand how that can be confusing to people who don't necessarily know the ins and outs. Yeah, okay. So I was about to say, does this mean that he, I was thinking maybe, <laughs> hey, maybe Kansas City's going to draft him. They've got him there. Uh, there's, um, there's a good chance he could go to the Chiefs. The Chiefs have done something like that before with a late round guy. Look at Isaiah Pacheco. Yeah. Look at Jarek McKinnon before that. I mean, they love to find guys that have speed and speed kills. And, uh, Terrence Copper always talked about how much he liked playing in Kansas City. So. This is true. Another pirate. Shout and out to T-Cop. T-Cop. Friend of, I wouldn't even say friend of the show. No, I, IBX Media employee, because just it's for our pregame oh, show. He's, but he's, he's been in here plenty yeah, of times. Yes, yeah. sir. Alrighty, and then um, I guess we gotta we gotta address the true elephant in the room here. We've been talking about quarterbacks all day. Do we see Holt Naylor's going at any part tomorrow? Yes, because uh, uh, Patrick actually suggested a really good piece of audio from uh, a radio host in Chicago that gave really valid reasons why Holden Ehlers should be a Chicago Bear, and he gave a convincing argument. Are they wanting to use him as like a Taysom Hill? or I'm not sure. That, see, they didn't so, really uh, go that deep into Yeah, they didn't, they didn't go that deep. I will tell you, Holden's a tremendous quarterback. He's a tremendous person, tremendous athlete. But what's going to keep him on an NFL roster is between the ears. His football IQ and acumen is something you will not see in most young quarterbacks. And for him to have the experience of starting for four seasons between two different head coaches and just 
keep the same head on his shoulders and not necessarily have those things is going to be too enticing late round six or seven or maybe even undrafted free agent to put him on a roster, and then he stays because he's out there with the twos and the threes in rookie minicamp, and he knows that that read's not supposed to be there. He knows that ball's not supposed to go there, and he pulls it down and he makes a play because that's what he does. You know, with what you're saying, that reminds me of another lefty quarterback who started four years in college, and this guy might have won a few more games, but he had... He's in a different system, and that reminds me a lot of what they said about Kellen Moore coming out. Mm-hmm. And we see where he is today. Incredible football, Moraine. He's, yeah. he's the OC now for the Cowboys. I mean, Chargers. He, they're Chargers now. Yeah. My apologies. He left the Cowboys after he put Ezekiel Elliott at center. But we won't talk about that play anymore. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I could see him definitely having a, a uh, Kellen Moore-esque career. And I, I really loved um, watching Kellen in college, and that's kind of what they said mm-hmm. once again about him coming out. So, uh, anybody thoughts on any, you got something? To do we on? see C.J. Johnson going anywhere? You might C.J. You might see C.J. late tomorrow, maybe fifth, sixth, seventh kind of thing. So you're saying that's still a real possibility? It's still a real possibility. There are I lot, hope that happens. There are a lot of teams that love his talent and just the opportunity to put him in a place where he would be in a professional market. Like he's no longer around. Some of the distractions that necessarily have kind of hindered him that we've heard of in the past. Right, and of course. I, he's a great person. I can speak to that personally. He's one of the best human I've beings. I've met him. He's a great guy. I know. Great guy. Like, just one of the most genuine people you've ever met. But unfortunately, because of what he's around, he can get kind of wrapped up in the background of it. So I think him in a professional setting could be completely different, and teams can't pass up on that talent and that size. The one thing I will say, and uh, I know I don't know about as much as you do, Joe, but I think... If you're a Pirate fan, do not be too upset if C.J. doesn't get drafted. Yeah. Because receiver is one of the biggest positions when it comes to signing guys Mm -hmm. immediately after the draft. Absolutely. And a lot of times they will even call you up during the draft and have a deal pretty much worked out with you before the draft's over. And when I say, oh, they're getting signed, well, they're one of 95 guys that are going to be showing up to camp. A lot of times still there's a huge competition in every team at wide receiver. I think getting drafted or not, he still stands a good chance to make a roster, and still the same chance whether he goes mid-sixth round or he goes undrafted. I still think C.J., as long as he shows up in camp, he could, he could be in a good spot and be on a roster come September the whatever. I don't have the dates memorized. But, I mean, like, to put everything in perspective, there's three guys got a legitimate argument could be drafted uh, next couple of days from ECU. For sure. Yeah, well, like I said, I'm hoping Keaton gets drafted tonight. Oh, that, see, that, see, that's like a real chance. I'll like That crazy. could be happening soon, yeah. yeah. I'll pop bottles in my living room. But another guy that we save a bottle for me, (laughs) the undrafted guy that we talk about at receiver is Isaiah Winstead. He is a ridiculous athlete at that size, incredible catch radius. Didn't impress a ton of scouts with his vertical speed, but laterally moves better than most slot guys that are in the draft. And I think that's going to be too much of an opportunity for most teams to pass on, especially if you're looking for that undrafted free agent to bring into rookie minicamp to take a shot on. I wish we could keep going on Pirate Players, but we do need to get a break here so we can talk some Pirate Baseball. That'll do it for our draft talk. Hopefully we will hear some Pirate names called in the next two days. We'll be right back with the rest of the Patrick Johnson Show. Go to waltonacademyk5.com to schedule a tour today. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Welcome back into the Patrick Johnson Show. We are seven minutes away from Scott Rogers and Coach O taking over for Pirate Baseball here. I'm Philip Pilkington. I am joined by Chris Cook and Joey Football, Joseph Sampson. 
And we are going to look here a little bit at some Pirate <laughs> Baseball going in. Pirates take on at Tulane tonight. Remember, there is a schedule update tonight. Still scheduled for six, but doubleheader tomorrow as Mother Nature is going to flex her muscles for, what did you say it was, Chris, the 15th time in 17 weeks? That hey, Patrick said that. I don't yeah. want to misquote him or anything. I believe he said there's been 17 weekends this year. 15 of those in Greenville have had some kind of rain at least Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. P-Man Sounds about right. He's always yeah. on it. Yeah, wow. That is nuts. Hey, um, maybe it'll get out of the way. Don't want to jinx anything. Maybe it'll, I hope so. Maybe no, I hope so. I really do, you know, yeah. That, 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 the stuff that goes on in gym. Be in the street like warriors. <laughs> Go away, rain. <laughs> Got to do a rain dance, boys. All righty, they're taking on a two-lane team tonight that, gosh, I don't. I should have pulled up the RPI, yeah. but their RPI is over to her. They are There's, bad. Yeah. It's, they are 12 and 20. Far past triple digits. Yeah, they went on the road to start the year out to the West Coast and just got annihilated, got home, it didn't go any better. I mean, they started out the season 0-6. Yeah. And it's not gotten any better. Somehow they're five and seven in league play. I, I, I just don't get it. This is this is the ultimate bounce back week. I think it has to be for the Pirates. You've got to sweep this weekend. This is the game you schedule in November in the SEC as a tune up game to get ready for the run. <laughs> this this is where the bats get hot. The pitchers start to find form. We see Trey's not pitching this weekend, so you get somebody another chance to yeah. bump up. Spivey goes to your Friday starter, which should be a great game tonight. Hopefully the elements hold up, and then Saturday Sunday with Groves. You really have a chance to kind of get these guys hot again. You're saying this is where they start shaking and baking. This is where you start shaking bake, baby. He's got to. The magic man. Now you see me, now you don't. I'm I'm positive literally every single person listening knows exactly what we're talking about. I I hope they do. If they don't, (laughs) I mean, I know this at NASCAR country like it used to be, but you've got to at least see that. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, this is... Two years ago when Alabama played freaking Western Carolina before exactly. the Exactly. Played Citadel. The Citadel. Remember when the portal first became, I mean, it's always been a thing, but when like guys were completely yeah, transferred. Consistently. And Bama was like blocking, te- or Nick Saban was blocking teams that guys couldn't transfer to. Because they blocked them. the mm-hmm. Citadel. Yep. Oh, we were so ticked. Like, you can't transfer to the Citadel because we got to play them this year hey, in man. mid-November. That's yeah. how it goes. This is our the Citadel. You this, gotta this beat is the Citadel in. game. I mean, oh. Gavin Scholes for Tulane hit two home runs last series, uh, three for five in one of the games. So they've got some offensive production, but they dropped two to USM. I, I mean, I I don't know how to talk about them in, in a positive light because it's Pirates baseball. Yeah. This is what the Pirates do. Yeah, I mean, their team are ERA is 6.65. Hopefully we can tack on a little more to that. Yeah, I would hope so. And, you know, look, as we're sitting here saying this, if you're the Pirates, cannot underestimate this is still a conference opponent. Right, always is. Always is, but you got to do it. Well, thank you guys for your help today. We enjoyed it. Thank you to Joe Sam. Thank you to Chris Cook. We will be on the other side. We are going to take a timeout, and on the other side of this timeout, we'll begin Pirate Baseball ECU coverage. ECU Baseball. ECU yeah. Baseball. Bye. ECU Baseball with Scott Rogers and Coach O. Have a good weekend, everybody, and go Pirates.